Yo, dude. What's up? You see, you're just finishing brunch. How how do you know that? Because before, apparently, before the the camera comes on, I could see you. Oh, okay. So you were frantically like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and I actually just did the same thing. Nice. But I was on time. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> just can't win, Josh. CX noggin. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, well, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. I'm great, except for I rode today my like hip or my glute, everything that bothered me last year here. And now I'm wondering, maybe it wasn't my saddle. Maybe it's just riding in the flat. I think I nudge forward more naturally here on this flat ground. And I was like, man, I do not feel that great right now. And so... I started riding this SMP saddle. It's a, called the Dynamic. And I actually immediately was like, whoa, this kind of makes me sit. I don't want to say sit back, but it changes. I'm not as like my, I'm having a hard time putting this into words. I don't want to say it's, there's so many things that if I say, I'm like, no, it's not really it. Like, it's not that my hips aren't tilted forward, but it just sort of shifts me back a little bit. and almost makes me use more, hamstring it feels like and when i'm in blue ridge mountains it's great because you're climbing and stuff but when you're naturally riding on flats i kind of nudge forward anyways but now i realize that's five hours here and so i think it's just way too much hip flexor being used and so it started to bother me and then i thought i'm like well i am kind of sitting on the saddle a little differently and i nudged back in about 15 minutes, the it was like, I don't want to say pain, but it definitely was not comfortable. It seemed to subside. So I was like, huh, well, I'm still going to go home and I'm going to the gym later. So I didn't want to do a super long ride, but it definitely was a little unnerving to have that happen. And I will also add that I had not been super diligent with stretching and the like glute bridges and fire hydrants. I haven't been doing them as often as I was before but because the, the issue hadn't been bothering me, which is, so that's part of my problem too. I mean, just letting some of the little things go to the wayside when there's not a red flag. And so hopefully this goes away. I'm going to go to the gym and tonight. But yeah, that was kind of my morning. It was early morning, 5.30 ride back at 9 10 feels so weird I'm like it's two nice in the though. afternoon oh wait it's 9 30 never mind so so wait, i got a question about that saddle because i think that saddle is made to like i've never used it but i know people love it isn't it made so that you can't really move around isn't that the whole like it locks you in it does lock you in a little bit i don't know if i would say it locks you in it's also if you have it set up properly which Patrick has the same saddle and he has it tilted way out of like their recommended range. He likes it that way. I looked out like, man, that's not how it's supposed to be set up. It's really, he's like, oh, but my hips are really wide open. I'm like, cool. If it works for you. I, I've always slid forward. And part of the reason is my seat post is so exposed. The, the bike naturally wants to put me way back into grandma cruising position so 
my seat is always slammed forward and I always tend to nudge forward a little bit. I also have a super aggressive drop. I think there's just a lot of little things going on in here, but now it's just weird that I got down here. I've been here for five rides and I'm like, it's back. That's not making me pumped. So I think I need to ride tomorrow and sit back more. And the way I can tell is the one issue I had was when I started riding this, I'm like, huh, this is odd now. Now the shift levers, I have a 130 stem on that I've ridden forever. It seemed a hair too long. Like the shifters were just like not in the exact same place, but my hands on the tops of, I guess the tops of the bars felt great. So I need to like really lock into that position and ride that and then stand up. I'm used to standing a lot more now. And I think there's just so many little variables going on, but I really am more going to blame myself for not doing my stretches. The weird thing is I got home today and I was like, okay, let's do these exercises. I thought my glutes would feel really weak and they actually felt pretty strong because I've been doing other lifts, which was a great conversation in the discord. Hey, do people still do the little things when you're doing the big lifts? And I had said, I think the answer is yes, but even said, Hey, I've been kind of slacking on it. I need to get back to it. So I'm going to try and do all these little mini things because as you know, I'm doing that Volta Ecuador in three weeks. And if I can't ride four hours pain-free, there's no way I have a shot at winning a six hour stage. So that would be super disappointing. We'll see what happens. So I have a bunch of questions about that race, but I don't want to harp on this too much, but in regards to things, would you consider it all? This is what bike radio is about. And hang on, before you harp on that, Hey everybody, welcome to Bike Radio. We're That's really right. bad at doing introductions. My <laughs> name is Brendan Hausler. This is CX Not. Just kidding. Um, this is Evoke Bike. This is Bike Radio. This is a very casual show, as you can tell. We just kind of jumped in and started talking. We have other videos that are more. Hey, this is our thoughts on training. We have super fast people and world tour coaches doing interview series. We have different series about different disciplines, but Bike Radio is really more us just cutting it up on things that we want to talk about and stream of consciousness, what's going on in road, gravel, cross. And for context, I've been racing for, I really need to get this intro down, 13, 14 years, 2009. I, well, yeah, 2009 was my first race. Got my cat one in 2010, three-time Masters National Champion, 10-time state P1 champ. That's what we're doing. Who are you on the other side of the microphone? Josh Nagel. I've been racing for 15 years, four times national champion. Uh, <laughs> no, none of that's true. Um, yeah, no, I've been racing. When you for- said 15, I was like, damn, you've been racing that long? <laughs> I just had to one up you, man. Um, no, like I've, been racing, I've been racing for, I don't know, eight years, something like that, seven, okay. eight years. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, I current New York State gravel champion. I know with the asterisk that you called me out on last time, but it's true. Um, second place, first in New York State. Um, yeah, I race <laughs> mountain bikes, mostly cross and some road, a little bit of everything. Cool. I love so, it. And before you make your other comment with the saddle, I was thinking about Lucy today because I was like, so I'm in Florida now and we're in a condo, not in the house. There's really no door. I was like, Chris, where do you have me to do this? I'm about to do bike radio, so it's going to get rowdy. I'm going to be laughing. We're going to be loud. And I think of you when you're like, I'm being too loud. Lucy's yelling at me. 
these podcasts though i get like fired up i was talking to an athlete last night and he's just like pring and crushing and just because he's making newbie gains and like we're even he's not even trying and i like slowly hear the door close (laughs) like sorry so anyways um so what about the saddle well i was going to ask you I'm sure you have your fit dialed in. Like you've been racing for 14 years, like it's dialed in, but would you ever consider going back and like updating? Totally. Yes. 100%. And I actually thought that today, my uh, shout out to Rob Schuler at Towpath. If anyone's in upstate New York, he was the one who first fit me. He has gone through fit schools. He's did fitting before there was all the laser crazy, whatever stuff that he uses now which I really like because he was more in tune with just the rider. And I would definitely go and get another fit. I just want it to be him. And so I have to go back there with my bike and I would go to somebody else. The only thing is then you like move a couple things. And I know some people that went to like a fitter and changed so many, so many things at once. I'm like, how would you ever know what worked and what didn't? It's probably not going to be all that. Rob was very, okay, let's change this one thing, see what this does, and then tweak one more thing. And so if anything, I would like to get the, just, yeah, have him like re-see me in riding position because all these bikes for the past, I mean, I haven't lived there in a long time. Seven years have just been me like, this seems pretty good. Yeah, I'm good with this. I can tell, I actually do the old school put your heel on the pedal and if it's almost just out of reach that usually is like a really good saddle height for me jam it all the way forward i used to have my stem a little bit higher so it could be that the stem is a little bit lower although it hadn't seemed to bother me i really think what it is is when i nudge forward it then has me do something weird with my back and it's pulling something and then with the whole QL thing that happened this past year, I'm sure there might be uh, some little thing going on there. The weird thing was, though, as I said, I came back, I did my stretches, nothing felt tight. I was expecting something to be like, ooh, that's the, that's the thing. That's why this is happening. But I stretched, I felt good. I also had two massive weeks the past two weeks. So I'm like, maybe I'm just riding a little bit too much. And then I realized I have a, a rest week coming up going into Thanksgiving. That's a danger zone. Stay away. That means I can't eat anything bad. Because I really want to drop like two pounds before this race. Well, yeah, I was gonna say you should enjoy yourself, which you should. But I'm saying with your goal, you you do have a big race coming up. Like, yeah, yeah. like probably the biggest race that I'll do for. I don't know. I don't want to say forever. Maybe I can do another one of these. But and it's a weird race where I actually found out the prologue is now a circuit race. It's not a prologue. So there could be five stages that I'll be a normal human at. And then we go to the high mountains and I'm going to bring my phone and take some cool pictures because I won't be raising. <laughs> so let, let's jump into this, man. So who, so what's the name of the race? An eight day stage race. What's it called? Volta Ecuador. Okay. Tour, of, Tour of Ecuador. So I'm pumped to do a Vuelta. It's not the Vuelta, but it's a Vuelta. Heck yeah. Makes, yeah. And really? how did this all come about with you getting like, is it, are you kind of, is this, are you like guest riding or how, how does this work? It's technically, although we're not really supposed to call it a composite team because the UCI doesn't like that. It's V13, that clothing brand. Uh, they had some people 
from like Rio Grande and the Volaire guys were going to go and the date changed. It was supposed to be in November. It moved to December and census will get posted not today. And we're announced that Landry is a new coach with Evoke. People will know that name by the time this comes out. Landry messaged me on Sunday. Today's Monday. Was it Sunday? today's, Today's Tuesday. Whoa. Whoa. Today's Tuesday. Okay. So it was Sunday. I get a message. I come back from the ride. I'm sitting in the pool with Chris. And it's like, hey, do you want to do Vuelta Ecuador in a month? And I was like, that sounds like Thanksgiving. I thought it was October. As you can tell, it is a whirlwind <laughs> over here. <laughs> and he's like, uh, no, Thanksgiving is in like a week and a half. It's in December. And he told me the dates. And Patrick was coming down here to ride. And I was like, oh, man. I'm like, well, what's the, what's like, what is this thing? He's like, it's eight day stage race. I'm like, oh man. And then he linked me up with this guy from Rio Grande who sent me all the stages. And I was like, oh man, this looks insane. You start in Guayaquil and you eventually end up in Quito. And I did a school report on Quito. So I was like, that's an omen if I've ever heard one before. And so I messaged Patrick and, and said, hey, what uh so i got invited to this stage race how much of a pain and what's the financial loss of you canceling that ticket and us rescheduling our bromance and he's like it's basically canceled you have to go do that race i was like i appreciate you doing that sweet so he canceled that and i started looking at tickets till how would i get to this place and it's always interesting at first i was like man it's 1800 bucks that sucks and then I did an orange uh, multi-city, so Fort Lauderdale to Guayaquil, and then Quito to Fort Lauderdale. It ended up being like twelve hundred, eleven fifty, and not even main, like Comfort Plus on Delta. So I was like, "That's awesome!" And so got the yeah, just so I decided to buy the ticket. I was like, "I'm gonna go either way." As this team was forming up, and we're getting jerseys together. We're all buying black bibs because we have to be, you know, all professional looking for the UCI overlords, as somebody called them, which was funny. And we're just going to go rip it. So, and then I was coming back. I was talking to Chris about the day I'd come back. He's like, well, I'm going to be in Denver. I'm like, sweet. I'm staying in Ecuador longer. So the race is the 6th, the 8th to the 15th. I'm going to get there on the fifth just to make sure there's like a couple days before this thing ride a day or two, like meet these guys race to keto, hopefully make all the time cuts, not get dropped like super early or something embarrassing. And then 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 have five or six days to ride and then fly back just before Christmas. So pumped. It's a great trip. So, and with Delta, Going into some of these specifics here, you can bring your bike. Is that is that your plan? Bring it to bring it to the airport. Yeah. So that was another thing that I was checking into size of bikes. There, JetBlue. I don't. I'm sure this can't be right, but it said the bike box could be 80 inches. I don't know of a bike box that's 80 inches. A normal that- bike box is like well, these big these bigger ones are like you know 110. 80 sounds very tiny. That's taking everything. My bike is massive. I don't know if you probably can't, you can't see it. It's actually in here no. charging. Yeah. 
it's humongous. So I'm actually borrowing a bike box because then I was going to maybe buy one of these gigantic bike box Allens. You only have to take the wheels off. That sounds amazing. And put the seat down a little bit, but that's in the UK. It's 700 bucks. It's 200 bucks to ship. It might not definitely get here. Not really feeling that. So I'm talking to this mechanic who's going to get back to me on the size of it. And if not, I have an athlete that I might buy his Thule. So anyways, there's no, like I'm local, excited for the, there's no like local ahead, shop or somebody you can hit up down there. I'm sure there's gotta be somebody probably in, you know, Fort Lauderdale. No, there are, a, yeah. there are this, this, yeah, there's so many shops. This mechanic here is looking and he has one. I just want to make sure I, he does he can't remember what it's called. So I don't want to get there and have it be the one that I used to have the Thule where you have to take everything off and, I don't want to deal with that. And they're not great. I don't want this piece of crap and get over there and have my bike broken. I used to do the soft case. I've twice had, I had a chain ring bent and I had a, uh, they gouged my stem once the paint off this uh, black ink bars. Delta paid for it. But it was in a soft case. I almost was so they were clearly just launching that bad boy around and it got beat up. So they always paid for it, but I don't really want to. I'm not worried about the money. I'm worried about the bike being rideable. So and it's just funny because now I'm gonna take it in to get serviced. I think I might need some new chain rings. I was in the base mode. I'm like, okay, everything's good to go. I'm like, ooh, I need to buy new tires, new this, new that, da da da. So and yeah, you know, I, I, it was a very, I told Landry, I'm like, thanks for thinking of me. He's like, I felt like you were the YOLO, like pull the trigger, like you're either in or you're out. And I was, and that's why I just bought the ticket. Cause then I was like, I'll figure out all this other stuff. I think I have to get a couple shots, like a rabies pre shot. And, uh, I ha- I have had some from Costa Rica a couple years ago, but I needed to get a typhoid and maybe something else so yeah you know just let's add a few more things to the list and get it done and make it happen are you gonna bring like extra wheels or anything or are they gonna have like the team they, have some stuff everybody it's teams it's like team save the rim break so i might be the only person on disc wheels so they're like you might want to bring another pair of wheels i don't even know how i would do that they don't really fit my duffel bag that well that's a joke yeah. And I don't know. Do I get a? Yeah. You got to get one of those big bags, dude. I see like uh, Tob- Tobin Ortonblad I and mean, he's and Cody and all those guys when they're flying across, you know, West Coast to East Coast, and they bring like eight wheel sets with them, and they have just this giant wheel bag. You take the rotors off, and it's a pain, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their bike, they bring. Oh yeah. I think they, uh, I don't know if they usually travel with two, but sometimes they do. It's like they're at the airport with like, you know, 10 bags. Yeah. I'm going to avoid that because that just seems like a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. Maybe we'll carry 10 bags. What about, um, nutrition stuff? I'm sure you're bringing stuff. I'm trying to go back. I'm going to have this like North face camping bag. Um, 
yeah, nutrition. I actually was thinking about that. And that's a good thing. I was going to ask these guys because I'm not going to be able to bring uh, new, I'm not going to be able to bring maple syrup bottles. So I might actually hit up Ted King and order some syrup packets, or I will suck on some sugar cane over there and get diseases. Yeah. Well, worth it for the win. <laughs> Chris laughed at that. Um, so yeah, uh, nutrition, that'd be good. And then the training just did some over-unders today. It's kind of weird going back into intervals right now. <sighs> Mentally, I was there because I've got this race coming up, but it was like, well, this is almost December and I'm going to go crank out some over-unders and they went okay. Did a VO2 max. And that's when I just started not feeling great. So I'm really hoping that I can go to this group ride this weekend and feel awesome by hour five. That will make me feel super happy. So I'm going to take it easy these next few days. Well, easy or nah, maybe not. We'll see. Who knows? I'm curious how that conversation went with Tom when you're talking to your coach. What, what, what did he have to say? We're actually talking after this. We haven't been able to connect. Yesterday was nuts. I'm doing 8,000 podcasts and doing the athletes. And I actually, yeah, so we'll see. He was pumped. He was actually, he's like, I think this would be a good thing to go do, which sort of surprised me but not really he's definitely more variety even throughout the base season just shift the frequency of hard sessions so i'm sort of adapting that with some other athletes and this went back i think we talked about this in the first one where even when i was doing base with what the ogs told us we were still cranking out these 30 second one minute efforts on fixed gear bikes because we were getting up these hills and it's not just Z2, you know, and I know that and I've never, I don't think I've ever done just that, but I definitely, I was pretty darn, I should look back on some years. I mean, it was pretty religious with the Z2, at least on the weekends during the week, you can do some tempo. And I think, you know, I think that stuff's good. I'm just more surprised. I never would have had somebody do VO2 max in December, January, but I'm kind of changing my tune on that. Just have the session be not, not a five by five, let's say, but maybe like even just two five minute intervals. I think there's something to that. Just kind of maintain it. So does this skew, how does this change your going into next year now? Yeah. So I was thinking about that in terms of maybe I don't do tour South Florida or some early stuff in February because I really do want to have that time to hit the reset button. And I'm curious what Tom will think about that. You know, if I get back, I finish the race in the middle of December. That means that um, I would have two months until two months would bring middle of February. I think I'd get by with eight weeks of base as opposed to like I probably would more normally do 12. But I don't know, maybe I wait till March. I'll be curious to see what he says. I, with my other goals so f- much farther down the road, you know, nationals, amateur nationals is in June-ish. And then masters NAS is in August. I'm not really going to do gravel this year. I don't think it just, it never really did it for me this past year. And everything's so Midwest, like central us. I'm on the East coast now. And I mean, there's Belgian waffle rides, but even some of those, 
people were talking about, oh, there's all a single track and da 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 at the end of the race. That's not what I'm into. So I'm not going to do gravel because everybody's doing gravel. I'm going to do gravel because I really like it. I went to a few races that I thought were cool, but now everything's turning into tough mud around bikes and I'm just not feeling that vibe. So, and not knocking it, just it's not for me. So I'm not going to toe the line in something where I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. Did you ever do, isn't there a gravel race by you? A, a much smaller scale. Isn't there one like kind of in that, that area? Do you know the name? I, I want to say oh, it's like- Oh, there's a bootlegger 100. Yeah, it wasn't called that. I want to say it was like, I mean, I could be making this up, but like you said sugarcane earlier. I thought it was called like the sugarcane something. Oh, in Florida. Yeah, yeah sugarcane yeah, yeah. 200. Okay, I'm guessing yeah, it's yeah. probably all sand. Uh, Ted King won it, but I was going to do it two years ago, right before COVID broke out. I would maybe do that. I don't know. Who wants to ride 17 miles an hour, 18 yeah. miles an hour, or like racing at 20? Went on a group ride here and we were taking poles 30 plus. It was, you know, 29 average for an hour. And then they stopped at the store and I kind of cruised around a little bit and met back up with them. And it was 45 minutes at like 29 and a half. I'm like, this is Tom actually commented. He's like, because I told him I was going to go this ride. I'm like, okay, so scratch all the plans. I'm going to go meet some people. He's like, this is actually one of the best group rides that I've seen, like when you weren't on the front hammering it you were actually still pedaling it was i want to say the whole ride was only like 30 percent zone one as opposed to you see these group rides where it's 50 percent. it's so anaerobic it was quite interesting and it was really good to get the race brain going again because when it's that fast if you miss the move and you think about it too long dudes are up the road they're just motoring so it was fun I had a couple town line sprints and yeah so you know i think yeah i think just being cautious about getting ready too early next year and i've definitely been way better about that recently i always used to be tired after nationals and somewhat ready to just check out because i was always so ready in march but for the northeast there always wasn't a ton in august September was Green Mountain, and I always had this hard – I had a hard time staying motivated all through August for one race left when I usually had already had what I would consider a successful season because I loved coming out super early and just crushing and, like, big, big races in April and May. But down here, there's just racing all the time, and with things more like nationals as the goal – it sort of dictates when I need to be ready as opposed to me being able to choose like, oh, I'm going to go do bat and kill. And I'm going to go do the race in Buffalo. And then I'm going to go do the race in Albany, capital region. And then, you know, Catskills. And there was sort of a roadmap up there. Up here, it's more the wild, wild west. You know, Southeast has a lot of racing. Top View Sports puts on endless races. And so, yeah, it's just a little bit different. I think that's actually a good point. You know, I talked to some people in Texas about that have a real, there's some athletes just have a really tough time in July and August, even in June when it's just brutally hot. I said, so why don't you come out and crush in February, crush February, March, and April, and then go into May 
pending the weather. You just had three months to race your face off and then hit some endurance, do some things that aren't horrible. I mean, Florida here, you do a couple efforts in the summer and you're dead. You're just melted. It's probably good on a cellular level. I mean, I come back pretty wrecked sometimes. That's probably not good. But if you're not going to have fun and you can't race well, race when you do race well. No one says you have to be a superstar in July. And then, so then you do like a nice endurance block, get that back, maybe do it for a month and a half, two months, and then tee up some things for in the fall. And maybe that means that for three or four weeks, you do go inside and ride on Zwift or you figure out, go ride super early. Memphis, I rode early simply because it was hot as hell. And it took me forever to adapt to those temperatures. 90 would destroy me. I'm much better in it now. But so I think it's, it really, I think this is actually a good tangent. However, we get on this athletes don't often look at themselves as how they're going to schedule things based around their goals. It's sort of like, what is everybody else doing? And it's just such a misstep that, I did really well at bat and kill because I got ready for bat and kill. Other people were like, oh, well, it's the first race of the year. I'm like kind of cruising in. I'm like, this is this is the this is the race in the Northeast. Why are you not ripping for this? Who cares about everything else? No one cares. Everybody cares about bat and kill. So gotta gotta be selfish with your schedule. In and if you're on a team, like obviously within what the team is doing, but you know, no, I think people look at it like I want to come out in March and I want to be good through September. And it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. If there's a, and those are hard, then people are like, well, there's a series. I'm like, cool. That's really difficult. You're asking yourself to be good like 12 times or however many times that that's hard to do. Um, you know, I just had a conversation with a guy who's going to do uh, two. So how long is this? 220k what is that 160 miles yeah 120 160 i think it's like 130 yeah okay Twenty-three thousand feet of climbing and i'm like fy you can't do this on three hour weekend rides like well what do you think it would take and i was like Whew. he knows this but sometimes just that reminder like okay this is this is matt i'm telling you this is massive this scares me I love riding really far and climbing a ton. 23,000 feet. I hit like eight in North Carolina. I'm like, oof, damn, there's still 2,000 more to go. I did 13,000 a couple weeks ago, and it was climbing. It felt like all day long, just up these freaking hills. Double that. So anyways... Be realistic with your planning. Be smart about it. Think about it. Think about you. Think about what your team's going to do. And yeah, it's a good. I like that, dude. Like thinking about yourself, I think it's like being a little bit selfish with your training and like just being real about that. That's fine. Like this is the race I actually want to do well at. Like you said, this is the race that matters and aim for that race. Mm-hmm. Tom's comment on the group ride was. Hey, you know, I think this would fit in actually once a month or maybe every other week if you're not going to 
in the base period simply because if you're going to race in two months, let's say this was before Ecuador came up. And he said, while we want to have control, meaning not riding with other people most of the time, you know, every once in a while having to do that, those reactive and you're not controlling when you sprint, you're following other moves, you're reacting to people in the group. He's like, I think that's fine. And that's actually one of the things we posted in the like, when's a group ride appropriate? It's really good to learn that race. I always use the word staccato because it sounds cool, but I don't think that's the right word. The, the, the movement of the race, the dance. Um, and that's, the, that's definitely different from what I would have ever said. I never would have had people do group rides during base. I don't know if I really, well, there are a few people. It's if they need it, if they need that skill. I actually just thought of somebody that I am like, I, we just talked about going to this group ride because they need to learn more of being in the group i've seen them ride a bike and like they they need to be in a group more you know but also with with your group ride though like you're out there with dudes who are could be at this race with you these guys are hitters you know it's not like you're going up and you're blowing up johnny pants on his you know sunday ride yeah that's very true and did we talk about was that a different podcast but you don't want to be the biggest fish and just squashing people might feel good that day but it's not really helping you get better because it's not a really good example was that I think one of the most beneficial parts of that group ride this past weekend was we we're coming up to a sprint and there's a guy who can sprint, but he's super strong. And so I knew where the line was. Cause like, it's that crosswalk. Somebody explained to me, I'm like, okay, cool. We were, a, you know, gosh, it's hard to like 30 seconds away. So this dude takes off and I'm like, I do not want to go this early. And I don't know. I I don't want somebody to follow me right away. And just was not in the right. Like I wasn't ready to go. Like we were already, we were going pretty fast up to this point. And then this guy takes off who can sprint. And I was like, damn it. It's either I go now or he's going to get on that guy's wheel and he's going to get it. So I like sprint after that dude, just get up on his wheel as he's taken off from behind the guy who basically kind of led him out. And I'm like, ah, so I go again. And I think he went a little too hard and I was like, I just got to go right now and just came past him. And that like psychologically, he was like, I'm done. And he sat up and I cruised across, but having to do those two efforts when I didn't even want to, like, I just wanted to be a sprint and forced me out of my comfort zone. Also made me be thinking like, what's this little match? Can I, can I get to that guy? And then can I go again if he actually starts sprinting? And those are the valuable lessons of, um, just be, just being in there and fit and figuring it out. And I think I was talking to somebody else about sprinting and technique and it, while sprint training is important, I think this type of sprint training where you're in the group sprinting for something is the best. And it blew my mind that I really stopped assigning it or prescribing. I don't really like the word prescribe people coaches use that. It's not, we're not doctors. Um, I didn't give those workouts. There was one that always used to be given to me was town line sprints by Jason Hillemeyer. And it was like, just go with your buds. And when there's a town line, when it was January, he'd say, yo, don't insinuate it. But when somebody goes react to it and crush them. And I was like, cool. So you'd have to wait, 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 go destroy. Then when it was February, he's like, whatever you have to do, win. And I was like, okay. And I would give those to people. And I'd look through their farm. Like they sprinted like once. 
And one person, well, there's not really many town lines. I'm cool. In Tennessee, they do stop ahead signs, which is dicey if the sign is like really close to the stop sign. It's usually not. But, you know, all of a sudden you come around a corner, you see a stop hand, it's like, oh, damn, and you got to sprint. You might not be in the right gear. You got to be, you, you got to figure it out. And those on your toes, ad hoc things, no one was doing them. I'd give them to almost everybody. And one person or somebody's like, well, I ride alone. I'm like, well, if you see a sign, go sprint for it. Like, we well, can't sprint by yourself. So I might bring that back and maybe we can point them to this bike radio. It, it's, that's racing, you know, people go to a race and they're like, Oh, I went to sprint and I was in the wrong gear. Like, well, that's why you should have done those freaking townline sprints. You'd figure out your gears and know what the, I mean, you gotta know what the bike feels like underneath you, what the pedal stroke feels like. I can't say that I would be like, Oh, I'm in the 14, but I know, am I in an easy enough gear to sprint or in hard enough gear? That's what I was telling somebody. They said, how, what should my RPMs be? I said, well, you might even be starting like just below 90 and adding around 120, but more importantly, you want to be, you're in too easy of a gear. If obviously you go and you like are spinning out, you're in too hard of a gear. If you have no jump, you want to be in that gear where you hit it and you're actually moving forward as fast as possible. Whether you're on an incline, slight decline, it's flat, there's headwind, whatever that there's so many variables to what's the right gear. It's the gear that will make you go forward the fastest and most likely you don't want to shift shift as little as possible you lose a little bit that's when you see when you're like this and you shift and someone gets a little bit closer to you so sprint training is interesting i mean adam hansen was talking about it he talks about it from the different angle of raise the ceiling if you only have a, a thousand watt sprint and you do 800 watts, that's pretty close to your max. Whereas if you can get that to 1200, then 800 feels easier. I agree with that, but you're all, we're kind of crisscrossing all these energy systems. But I think more importantly, besides just the watts, it's the application. Like when, when and how are you using this? Even if you're, uh, Claudia talked about it, I think briefly in the podcast, even if you're a climber, there's usually a sprint between four guys. So, you know. And I think also just don't overcomplicate it. Like when you're saying all this, I'm thinking back to like, I probably, I haven't done, I've done group rides, but yeah, yes. I'm, I've done sprints like that for sure recently in the last couple of months. But I'm saying going back to like when I first started riding, like I didn't even have a power meter. I wasn't thinking about what gear I was in or I was just like, let's sprint, man. Let's go hard. Like this is yeah. fun. Yes. And so the numbers kind of can mess that up. It can get you away from what the whole point of it is to so get you across the line first, the fastest, you know, it, I don't know. I'm like thinking of this, there's going to be a better way. I don't know what it is, but there's going to be a better way to have how the athlete feels and tracking wattages in different ways. Like, you know, how do you, there should not be, I, I haven't said this yet. I was thinking about this months ago. People know I'm not really into templates because why would you buy that? You could find one for free and just go ride your bike. Instead of a workout thing that tells you what to do, there should be a workout checker that I think I'm sure online they have like some of these 
like trainer road might have something like this, or that's like, Hey, go do this percentage. Or even in, in, um, training peaks, like it kind of will match up the Watts with what the, the ride workout was. But there are so many times where if you had a template and it says go ride four by 10 minutes at hundred percent, whatever. I know a lot of people that cannot execute that. They are not good at it, but then they send it to you like, yeah, this is my threshold ride. I'm like, this is garbage. This is a, I mean, yeah, well, no, you didn't do that at all. And I don't say that. I would never tell them that it's garbage. That's what I'm thinking. But I would politely show them like, hey, okay, if you really want to do four by tens, you want to have like more control of your watts. Maybe you're not having consistent pressure on the pedals. Like, have you tried doing these on a climb? Help somebody execute intervals better. They don't have to be crazy and complicated. We don't need 50 zones with all these nuances. And I think it's so easy to mis-execute basic intervals that then if you give somebody like over-unders or even just VO2 max stuff, that's going to be really difficult. If you can't hold the tempo wattage straight, how the heck are you going to do that for VO2 max? I mean, that's going to, that's like, I even called myself today. I was doing the initial over too hard because I was feeling good. It was super early. And I was like, what did I do? What do I was just getting excited. And I was like, yo, calm it down. You're going to fade. You're not going to be able to complete this, Joey. So we all, you know, can't always do that, them perfectly. I use that word execution all the time in my training piece comments. I think that's great. It's like you said. And you know what I tell a lot of athletes is like going into base season here and like we're sprinkling in some intensity is to work on that execution this is a good time when just realize if you're doing your rides inside like how this interval actually works and how you feel and how to pace it or how to really go deep you know it's Mm -hmm. it's a good time to focus on that and how you feel is so important because then you can tell when something's off and yeah i mean that's what i can't remember who i had this conversation with and we were talking about I've referenced this probably seven times now, learning how to go deep, watching somebody else do it. That's really good at That's better than you. I watched Patrick do these one minute efforts and I was like, wow, he is going ham. I'm not going that hard. I remember feeling like I was going to rip my bars off. He's like, dude, you're not like, there's people way stronger than us doing this. Like, it's good. Just crank on that thing. And yeah, once you have that unlock, I hate that term, but once you do kind of unlock that sense of how hard you need to be going on the bike and then your, I think it's more the neuromuscular connection, like your brain and your muscles, your coordination, understanding how to go ham. It's just like you, you know, I went on this ride and I could pick out probably who's been riding for three years and who's been riding for 15. Very different look of a cyclist. And you can usually tell when somebody rolls by, I'm like, oh, what up, Joey? Or it's like, oh, the person's been riding a while. So we need to share that just this Joey. It looks like. <laughs> that would be good, dude, with a little duck. Or maybe not the duck. I don't know. People maybe not like, the duck. Yeah. I, I know like some people love the flock. Other people, like, I still just, I don't really want to share with the duck on it. I'm like, that's cool. We didn't make it for you then. Okay, dude, but, I want to, changing gears yeah. here, altitude oh. tents. I know you put that out on Strava. I did. What's the latest? What are you doing? Don't have one. Not going to get one. I've thought about it. I went back and forth a long time ago and was like, I need to get one of these. And then it was, well, the literature is not really that great. I don't know if I want to spend the money on one. And 
now that I'm married, I definitely don't think it's happening because I'm not going to be sleeping in this tent. Like, okay, see you tomorrow morning. (laughs) (laughs) That probably won't go over well now. And if there's a two person one, I don't think he's going to sleep in a tent. So probably a no go. Although I think it would be incredible. I've definitely seen benefit from, I sleep at 4,500 in North Carolina. I think it's been beneficial for sure. So yeah, no tent. Have you ever used one? No, I have not, but I I did do some research. It's like hard to find what a good one and what a bad one is. It's yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It definitely scares me for these later stages. I mean, I'll definitely ride to the highest point I've ever ridden. I think we go up to 11 and a half thousand feet. So that'll be humorous. I don't know if I'll be able to do over 260 watts. I mean, I, I, I really have no idea. I've ridden up to 10,000. It was extremely difficult. The power file is literally this. It's a downward slope of wattage. So, yeah, that's frightening. I just more hope that I can contribute in a way to the team before we get there. And then I'll be get through five stages and I'm like, okay, guys, good luck with the rest of the race. I'll see you at the finish line. Don't leave without me. And (laughs) I, you know, there's just going to be, I mean, yeah, it, I don't want to say it worries me, but when you're going to be mid to lower pack of talent, and then you're adding in the fact that I'm not acclimated to elevation or altitude. Yeah. It's, worrisome (laughs) so yeah so i wanted to ask about your mindset like i know you're stoked it's going to be awesome you're excited obviously but what what is on your mind of like like obviously the altitude is there anything else it's like kind of like so that's not on my mind really i can't control that yeah it is what it is if it was all at altitude i probably would have said no and i told the guys straight up from like uh i live at 4500 i'm in florida right now so I'm happy to do whatever I can do for the first five stages. After that, I will be in the Gruppetto just trying to make the time cut. And then the last stage in Keto is a circuit, but I think we're still at 7,000 feet. I could be wrong about that. So I can look up the elevation later. But no, more of my mindset is the first couple stages will probably be crazy just because everyone's like a little has some nerves but the second stage is 140 miles 145 miles relatively flat break goes there will definitely be some sprinter teams that will try and control that maybe i'm the guy that gets up the road maybe i try and wait for a late late race move um you guys gonna have race radios i don't know probably maybe i'm not sure so i think it'll depend on like who ends up on this roster i would love to be if there's a guy that can climb i would love to be able to try and help out and get him in good position so i'll really do whatever i can do to help this team and just going in with that attitude there's I mean, putting pressure on yourself for a race like this, I think doesn't make sense. I really don't put pressure on myself when I'm racing better people because the expectation is I'm Cat 4 Joey to these guys. You know, 
if I was going to a race like a state championship where I have a really good shot of winning, I'm probably a little bit more nervous. Like it's almost like I don't want to lose that race. And, you know, if, I mean, dude, if something happened and I somehow did something awesome, it'd be crazy. That's just not the expectation. So no pressure. The pressure is not going to help me. I mean, this is what most of these guys do all the time. I'm just really excited for the opportunity to do, uh, I guess, since this prologue is now becoming a circuit race, it's going to be nine stages, super long. What are we going to feel like towards the end of that race? It's going to be a lot of climbing. And then I'm going to be, last time I did a big race, although it wasn't UCI at Tour Southland, that was so hard. And I was very quickly realized i'm like wow there's a lot of really really fast people here um it's weird when you realize you're not getting a result like oh this is this is not a not gonna win anything here just trying not to get dropped i didn't even do that i mean i got dropped i think every day so and then we left right after and i wish i'd stayed and hung out in new zealand so i'm excited to hang out in ecuador for a few more days and just watch the race take off and then I'll be in Quito and yeah. So I'll be in Quito and I'll do some big rides. And I was actually, the thing that clinched me buying the ticket was I was hoping to maybe stay with Raleigh uh, at this place that he has Raleigh Weaver, one of my new teammates that I've raced with a bunch. He might not be there. I'm like, well, how expensive are these hotels? Like dude, hotels are really cheap. So I looked on hotels.com, which I thought would naturally inflate prices. Cause it's like through hotels.com. Looked up, I'm like, oh, that place looks actually really nice. Twenty dollars, twenty. I was like, twenty, literally two zero. Like, <laughs> it just shows, you know, the world we're so freaking spoiled and just so much to be grateful for that you could take out a bill out of your wallet and pay for a night in a hotel there. It's mind blowing. So is your buddy Raleigh? Is he a U.S. guy? Raleigh lives in Georgia okay. and he has raced on Conti teams. I don't know if he's ever been on a pro Conti team. He's raced all over the world. He's actually been to over a hundred countries tidbit for those that know Raleigh. Raleigh was on, was it called the great American race or what's that race where they race around the world? Oh, well, Raleigh was on okay. it. Google this. If you guys Google Raleigh, he was on there as a kid, which is hilarious. He knows like seven amazing races. What's that? Amazing, amazing. race. Yeah, he was on that. Yep. So I'm excited to race with him more this year. And um, just seems like a very interesting person that we've just crossed paths through some local things in Georgia. And um, so he actually earlier this year was like, hey, you want to come to Ecuador and train? Apparently, even though it's a relatively poor country, their president, I want to say, at one point was all about infrastructure and repaved all these roads, even though they don't use them all. He's like, it's amazing. And so another teammate, Forrest, was down there and he's like, man, you got to come down here. It's incredible. And then I was like, guys, I'm coming. They're like, oh, we're not there. I'm like, well, I'm coming anyways. Hope you come back. So we'll see. He lives just north of Quito or I don't know if Raleigh has a place there or if he rents a place or he knows people. He seemed, he's really tied into all, like he's raced on a team from China. So just a really well-connected dude in the cycling world. So I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm really excited. I think that having, I did a, 
you know, I did a tandem World Cup, UCI World Cup, actually, like years ago. Um, I didn't have to bring the bike, but I went over and did it in the Netherlands. And that was a cool experience. I got to do that big Grand Fondo in France, brought my bike, brought my bike to New Zealand. And I think I'm just less nervous about this because packing everything and it's like, you don't want to forget anything, but you hope nothing breaks with the bike. At the end of the day, as long as you put everything in the, the bag, if it gets there, it gets there. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like I used to get really nervous about that and be worried about stuff. And it's like, what is that going to, how's that going to help? So are they going to be a pain about the bike at the airport and da, 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 and I don't know, just going to be more laid back about it, get over there, get things set up. I mean, I guess maybe I should try and bring another set of wheels. Well, yeah, I got another tech question. Are you going to change your crank set or your cassette or anything? No, they're not super steep climbs. It's just like, no, I've got a 3928. My buddy Andrew always used to say, if you need more than a 23, you're not racing. And I was like, wow, that's aggressive. <laughs> but it's kind of true. So it gets a little steep in upstate New York. Oh, dude, going back to upstate New York, people always ask me this, and maybe you get this too. Why does Brendan, why was he riding fixed gears? Snow. No one. No, you were weird as hell if you rolled up with gears. You'd get laughed at. Like, what? You're gonna wreck your bike? What are you doing here with that? Like, everybody rode fixed gears. It was the culture. It was, and if you were on gears, then we were, we were going like 16, 17 miles an hour, and you probably wanted to ride faster. And we're like, look at that, going too fast winter bro it's base miles you're gonna peak too early <laughs> uh, that's just what people would be saying i didn't know what was going on was do, do you remember going. what your gear ratio was i'm curious yeah it was 42 17 i believe okay or maybe 16 and it was actually hotly contested because of town line sprints if you had too big of a gear people would out you be like yo what beer what gear you got in that are you cheating <laughs> no invalid get out of here he's got a bigger gear so everybody had i think it was a 16 in the back but yeah so you hit you know garnsey or you hit some climbs out there and it was there's you're going hard there's no way around it uh, you miss riding the fixie at all mm. I think about it every once in a while and I've considered because your leg speed is insane. The problem is when you hit a downhill and you're doing 130 revolutions and you're not always on the nicest fixed gear, I've had the chain pop off and gone flying off the bike. That's not fun. And I would maybe run. No, I wouldn't. It's there's good to it, but I think when you're in the South, just ride the road bike i remember yeah. hearing patrick be like yeah people ride carbon wheels all the time we, that was another thing if you were on a training ride and you rode carbon wheels with aka race wheels shunned like oh gucci hello race wheels this is a training race bro <laughs> <laughs> i had a friend shout out dave richardson he got a kom and i was like dude were you on race wheels and he's like maybe i was like invalid doesn't count get out of here i was like let's douchey dude what is going on here i don't know 
we can we can wrap this up man just say goodbye sorry I'll, man I'll, no don't worry about it you're making me work with these edits i know just look for when the volume there's no volume yeah. it just all of a sudden zoom just shuts down it's all good it happens technical issues that's what we're known for i was like this is this is our <laughs> mo we're on brand <laughs> such a horrible brand <laughs> Well, this is a good, good one, though. I had a bunch of other topics, and we just kind of rolled with it. So thanks for the good questions and good yeah. tops. Any, any, any parting thoughts before we get cut off again? Any parting thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think I got anything. A bunch of people were asking when you were going to change your Instagram name to CX Noggin. CX Noggin. No, you already – I need to change it to Josh Noggle. You already said – you like, I remember I updated it to – to what it is now and you were like oh yeah you made it a little bit less confusing <laughs> yeah well how do you spell it it was like first you were mr manager or something what was that that's from arrested development a tv show yeah, yeah, yeah. i wasn't sure if you were talking about like the band arrested there, development there's a arrested development band yeah what uh, dude no, I, I don't wait know how old are you you're 30 30 33 32 33 you definitely know arrested development hang on a second arrest it, it, it's oh my god their song was um tennessee to 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 ten google them i will google them i i don't think i've ever heard of them but i maybe the song will click it will click and okay. then so now you're mr noggle or something yep with an extra with like, g with yeah like 15 g's 15 g's and that maybe that's what you'd be 15 g's 15 g's eh, it's not bad i like that <laughs> i actually did give johnny purvis his name swaggy p it's still swaggy p i can't believe it like two and a half years later um he's two g three g's and two y's so i think you should be cx noggle cx noggle We'll we'll see. People write write in. Everyone send your send your email in, and I'll change. They my did. Name. They were like, "CX Noggin is amazing." Well, <laughs> hey, show me those emails, please. Because you're a cro- I will. I'll just make them up. I'm like, oh, hold we- on. Let me let me make these new Gmail accounts real quick. In regards to names, the Discord is amazing. I love everyone in there. But some people message me and like, yeah, I messaged you on Discord, and I'm like, dude, you have a different name. I don't know. Yeah, your name is Booger Pants. <laughs> How do I know who you are? Or then I talk to somebody, and they're like. Yeah, it's, you know, Andy was so funny. He was Comet 15 or whatever. And he's like, I might change my name on there so people know who I'm like, yeah, that'd be good. I'm like, why are you Comet 15? He's like, I used to just do shady crypto stuff. And I was like, that's hilarious. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) come out of the closet with the shadiness and let's let's use Andy Bach. Um, Yeah. So that's what should your name be i mean we could go josh noggle but it doesn't seem like you want to be josh noggle i'm fine with it now man i'm over it i was like anti-social media but now now that i'm like torn that down whatever let's go oh you froze again (laughs) hey guys we lost brendan had some technical issues but um yeah we'll be back next week thank you guys for watching and yeah hope you guys are crushing it bye